You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Amen, amen, amen. What a powerful testimony. Well, this morning we are going to um, just continue to walk through some stuff that we've been talking about in Ephesians 1. So go ahead and open up your Bibles really quickly to Ephesians 1. Um, just as a small re- recap, um, we're going to talk about this prayer that Paul prayed for the believers. Really, the Holy Spirit prayed it for us. And we've been focusing on this picture of the glorious inheritance in the saints that God has given to the body of Christ and what that looks like. And um, so let me just read this really quickly to you guys. And just verse 18 of Ephesians 1, if, it's probably not on the, the, uh, the screen there. I didn't include it in my notes, but you can, you can just listen if you don't have it on your phone or your, or your Bible. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. All right. So there's three things there that, that Paul talks about and shows. This says, listen, we've got to wake up to this truth. We've got to wake up to this understanding. And these three things are this. The hope of your calling. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this and how this works in the body and how the, our individual callings and gifts, that how they, how they come and how they show up and how grace abounds and how it flows and the importance of it and all this good stuff. But we have to understand that God has called us into hope. And this is really significant because here's the deal, is that when God called you, he didn't call you and say, oh, you're a terrible person, look how great I am. Um, I, I rescued you, I saved you. Yes, that, that is a bit of a glimpse and understanding that we might have. We might recognize our sin. But God doesn't stop there, does he? No. He says, listen, I've rescued you because I've called you to great things, things that are bigger than who you are, things that are beyond you. And you are on this beautiful journey where it involves trusting the Lord, listening to the Lord, uh, listening and being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and following this great plan that God has given each one of us. Now that plan's amazing, and it's amazing because of this. It's amazing because we have it as individuals, meaning this, there is something unique about you that God has given you that only you possess, but there's also something that we embody corporately as the body of Christ. And so it's, uni- it's, it's wonderful because here's what we understand is that somehow, this is a little bit about what we're, we're, we're going to talk about this morning, somehow God is able in his grace to take those individual gifts to bring them together to meet the exact needs that need to be met so that the overall picture of what the body of Christ is called to do is accomplished. That's amazing. And so the next thing Paul says in this prayer, past the hope of our calling, is this, the glorious inheritance in the saints. So we've got to begin to value the body of Christ, the importance of it, why God created it, what it is, uh, not just the importance of our gathering here, but what God said about the body doctrinally, and understand that there's authority that's only shown up, that only shows up within the body, and understand how the grace of the Holy Spirit is thrust upon the, uh, the body and how it begins to flow, okay? And then the third thing is this, incomparably great power to those, to us 
who believe, all right? And that talks about the resurrection power at work inside of us. So for the last few weeks, we've been focused on this, the glorious inheritance in the saints. I talked about um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that Jesus gave, the fivefold ministry. But today, I want to talk a little bit about what, how God uses the unique gifts that are represented in the body to bring us together, to cause us to grow, and some things we need to understand for that. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. We're going to read a bunch of uh, passage here, 12 through 31. But before we do that, I want to explain something about the importance of the body of Christ, why we need to understand this. And if you'll just let me teach for just a second, okay, um, because I'll probably get excited here in just a minute, but I want to just lay down some track if, you, if that's all right. So Ephesians does this. Ephesians gives us some truth that we need to, like, anchor into our spirit, all right, concerning the importance of the body of Christ. Now, if you look at statistics that are flowing around the United States right now, what you're seeing is that in dramatic form, the church is dying. That doesn't mean that every church is dying. It doesn't mean that um, there aren't things that God is doing. It doesn't mean that God is not moving on the earth. What you're seeing is this, is that overall, that there has become a diminished um, value for the importance of the church. Now, there's several reasons for that. We're not going to go into all that. But one thing that we can't let slip to our understanding, because we actually help to create to define this. This is why this is significant, is the value of the body of Christ. Okay? There is something that the body, only the body of Christ can do on the earth. And there's a significance to having the body of Christ on the earth. Now, a lot of times when churches get caught up in politics or, or organizational structure or meaningless stuff that doesn't reflect the, the calling that God, uh, Jesus, has called the church to do, then, then it, gets, it gets dead. It, churches die. They get boring, right? But when we have a focus on why Jesus came and created his, the church within his body and what that means to us as individuals and corporately, something begins to change. So let's talk about that for just a second and the importance of this, this doctrine of the body of Christ that we see here in the book of Ephesians. So the first thing, and it all involves positional truth. Now follow me, okay? It all involves positional truth. Now here's the first position that we need to understand, where Christ is at. The book of Ephesians is very clear. When Jesus Christ resurrected, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. We know from other scripture in that place that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. That is where he is seated as the great intercessor. Hebrews tells us that. It's very important. Okay? So Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is in a place of victory. Jesus is in his rightful seat. He is in a place of authority. Okay? But this is the head. This is where the head is. Now, this is important because this is what we are all growing up into. When we talk about the function of the church and what the church is supposed to do, here, here is the answer. The church is supposed to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is the answer. It's not what a specific ministry within the church does. The church is supposed to grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about why, why that makes sense in just a second. So the second thing we see 
is in his body, Ephesians tells us that we've been placed in him, in his body. Now, if I had a diagram, I would show you his head is with the Father, okay? Imagine a human being standing up, a silhouette of a human standing up, and the head is in heaven. That's where Jesus is. But we are in the body. Now, there's three positional truths, same position, right? We're still talking about position, that this provides us. Everybody okay? I'm, all right, I don't, I don't want to use a lot of words and, and spoil this. So there's three things that being in the body has done for us that change our understanding of who we are. The first, they're all they're the big three R's. The big three R's, okay? The first is this. We've been redeemed. This, our position changed when we came into Jesus. Why? Because we used to be dead in our sin, Scripture says. But Jesus through his blood, redeemed us. The word redemption means to save, to pull out, to get unstuck, okay? So that's the first positional truth that being in the body means, that we are no longer slaves to sin, right? That we are no longer dead in our sin, that sin doesn't have a mastery over us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. The work of what Jesus did by placing us in his body first provides the positional truth of redemption. But then it it provides the second positional truth of reconciliation. And reconciliation is this. Now I want you to think about the Israelites when they came out of 400 years of captivity in Egypt. God had to renew their understanding because even though he had redeemed them, meaning he rescued them dramatically from Egypt. You guys remember the plagues, the story of the plagues, what Moses did, and finally it concluded with the killing of the firstborn, and, Mo- and Pharaoh was like, get out of here, we're done, I don't want nothing to do with you, you take everything that you own and get go, right? And so they go and they're free, they get past the place of slavery, but yet they still live as slaves, So here is the second thing that had to happen. This is what had to happen for Israel, and this is why the law came. It's because it began to teach them a different way. The second thing that Jesus did through the the doctrine of, of the body is this, is that he reconciled us. Meaning this, he, he saw the indebtedness and he put us into a positive account. Anybody here had your checking account negative? It's no, no fun, right? You do the walk of shame at the grocery store. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, just smile a little bit, everybody. We've all been there, okay? And so, and so here's the thing is that Jesus, he put us in a better place than we could be. He said, Andy, you look, I don't want you to think like you, you, you are a miserable sinner anymore. I don't want you to think about this. I don't want you to think about yourself to say that I'm, I'm a wretched man anymore. Yes, you were, but I redeemed you. I brought you out of that, but I reconciled you before the Father, and now you look good. Now you have a future and a hope. You're not a slave anymore. So when we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear, what, here is what we're saying is this is that I'm not just saying that to quote that because somehow there's some magic in the words I'm saying. That's foolishness. What you're saying is this, is that I have been reconciled 
and I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to these things anymore. All right. The truth is this, righteousness. And righteousness changes, it changes the way we stand before God. So here's what Jesus did. He pulled us out of sin. He gave us a future and a hope. But then the third thing he did is he gave us access to the Father. We come boldly to the throne of grace through that place of righteousness. It's not me. It's not what I did. It's not my good works, right? But it is what Jesus did for me. Can I tell you something? This is the good news. This is the gospel. When only the body of Christ, those who have been redeemed, can give this message away to a world that is broken, lost, and hurt. And so we have to be in the body. Now, the third thing that Jesus did positionally, and this is the doctrine of the body, is he did this. He showed that he overcame. And we see this in Ephesians 3 and 4. The scripture tells us that he placed all things under his feet. He took authority of the one who was the accuser and the deceiver of the saints. And he placed him under his feet. Now I love this because um, this is what Ed Savosa, who, who uh, was part of a very powerful revival in Argentina, and it spread globally. This is the picture that the revelation the Lord gave him, and this is so significant. And I've said this in, uh, a few weeks ago. I said this last week, I think. But this is the picture you need to understand. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. We are in Him. And in Him, He has provided us redemption, reconciliation, and righteousness. And then He has taken and placed His feet over the work of the enemy. So if we are in Him, the authority of the enemy is broken in our lives. The authority of the enemy is broken in our lives. Can I tell you something? You need to have those three things shored up about who you are. That you have been redeemed, reconciled, and you are standing in the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given you. Because if you don't have those things shored up and you're busy trying to fight the enemy, you are not in the order and the flow of what God is saying. Does that make sense? Because if you're not in that positional truth of what Jesus Christ provided you, but you're spending all day long yelling at the devil and saying, you're not going to win today, the devil. No, not today, not today, not today. You are spinning in circles. And the devil isn't moving in your behalf. You just aren't operating in truth. I say that with great grace. And this is why we have to come to the Word and understand the doctrinal truth of the Word and of the body of Christ. Because it provides us so much liberty. It provides us so much freedom and so much truth and so much authority. And when we see this, what we say is this, is that there is nothing that can touch me. Does an enemy actively move in, in, in the, on the earth today? Yes, you bet. You bet. But does he have authority in your life? Absolutely, 100% not. Do you hear me? 
All right. <laughs> Let's keep going. Thank you for letting me do that. 1 Corinthians 12. Everybody all right? Good, all right. 12 to 31. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, the unique uh, the gifts and how they work in the body. All right. So here we see in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 31, um, Paul lays out this beautiful understanding of the importance of how grace has to function within the gifts of the body. In verse 12, it says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink, even though the body is not made of one, made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, then where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, then where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Yeah, I cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable, I'm assuming he's talking about the armpit there, I'm not sure, are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. <laughs> if I was talking to youth, I'd say something different. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Let's unpack this, okay? Father, I, I pray right now, just as we come into the meat of the word here, that you give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, Lord, and great grace just floods this place in every heart in Jesus' name. All right, I want to unpack this because there's a, a several different things that the authority that Jesus has given the body and, and how these gifts work together. And some of this um, we need to understand. Some of it we need to begin to rejoice in and to begin to practice. So let's talk about understanding how the gifts function in grace in the body of Christ. So the first thing that we see here that's really, really important is this, is that everybody has a gift and a role, and every gift and role is important. Everybody has a gift and a role, and every gift and every role is important. Very, very important. Very, very important. There are many gifts. There are many talents, okay? 
There is much creativity, much wisdom, and there are even many opinions in the body. And we have to learn to appreciate that. There's many experiences in the body. I thank the Lord that we have truly a multi-generational church. I thank the Lord for every person here. I got to sit down with um, uh, Bishop Ronnie's dad um, the other, other day. I call him Paul Paul Sass. Paul Paul Sass turned, you heard, if you heard for Travis, he turned 100 years old. And I was sitting in his living room talking with him. And I was just blown away at what he has seen in this community. And when he first came here, and what he saw and what happened, and just amazing, amazing, amazing. See, there's many experiences that are made up in the body. And, and here is what Paul is saying. Here's what the Holy Spirit is saying, is that we have to learn to begin to understand that truth. Okay? See, because the worldly perception is this. Sometimes our natural perception is this. And we learn this through a lot of times through business models. We learn this from working years in, in, in business and uh, or military. I grew up in a military family, and there was absolutely no room for creativity in the military. Like, you did what you were told to do. My dad used to, used to have a saying, if I tell you to jump, you say how high, <laughs> right? It's like there's no, there's no wiggle room, right? And sometimes we learn these patterns, but here's what, here's what the Holy Spirit is saying is that we have to rework this. We have to change this. We have to ask the Holy Spirit for some truth. Now, I want you to think about this, really, as we unpack this and let the Holy Spirit speak to us in light of today's society, because we have zero wiggle room for other people's experiences and opinions. Matter of fact, we get threatened, don't we? And so here is what, here is what Paul's saying. Is Paul is saying this, that in the body, that there are going to be people on different levels of the journey. There are going to be people with different gifts. They have a different expression of creativity. They have different experiences. They even have different opinions. He's not making an excuse for people to have wrong thinking. He's not saying it's okay to think the wrong way. We are all growing into Jesus Christ. We are all being created into, the, into Jesus, right? Growing into Him. But we have to understand that there are different expressions, and each one of those expressions, each one of those gifts are highly significant. As a matter of fact, unless we honor those gifts, which we'll talk about in just a second, we won't see the full expression of Jesus on the earth. And so we've got to make room. And it ultimately, at the end of the day, it has to challenge the things that we do. It has to challenge the way we do ministry and how we do church, and it has to challenge this. Why? Because the body of Christ is not the ministry that we create it rather is this. The truth is this. What 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us is that it is what we are together. It is you. It is me. And what happens when we come together and the expression of Jesus that we have together, the things that we come and we express when we express our talents and the giftings that God has given us. You know how thankful I am for the team up here on Sunday? Have you heard me sing? You heard me sing the other week. I sang a song my mom taught me. I'll sing you another one. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Right? Are you guys happy I'm not up there? <laughs> you should be. You should be really glad that the team that's up there is up there. Why? Because they have a gift and a talent. I thank the Lord for the people who intercede. I thank the Lord. 
care of our kids. I thank the Lord for the people who greet. I thank the Lord for the people who are pushing the envelope to do outreach. I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for these, these folks, and every one of them is a different expression. I thank the Lord for the, the, the men of God that have been placed around me, my elders, who come to me and they'll say, listen, this is my expression, what God's taught me. And I go, wow, I've never, I've never thought of that. And it grows me. And this is what Paul is saying here and why we have to pay attention to it. There's a value to each one of these. Each person needs to know the gift that God has placed in them. Each person needs to exercise their talent and exercise their creativity. We should all be stretching in these areas. The church, we've heard this before. I know many of you have heard this before. The church should be the most creative place on the earth. It really should be. It should be. I thank the Lord. This is, this is the type of church freedom is. I'm just going to tell a few stories. All right. Years and years ago, when I was youth pastoring here, we did a VBS that in the church, a team of people wrote. We wrote it. Some of you will remember this. And so I went to Pastor Monty. I said, Pastor Monty, can we, can we? And of course, he's like, yeah, go for it. I said, but I want you to know what we want to do. And he said, go for it. And we took and we lined this place with black sheets all the way around. I know Jeff and Tiffany were here then. And we painted the whole thing to make it look like a safari. And then we designed up here. But the, the craziest, nuttiest thing is this. And I have permission. We had permission. Is we put sand. We put something down. We filled this up with sand and we created a beach right here. Sand. All right here. And we got up here and we just, we just did what the Lord put in our hearts to do. A group of people, really I wasn't a big part of it, but like it was just a group of people who did this. And, and here's the point is this. That creative expression was in the church. So there's two things that have to happen. And this is what I love. And I want, I'm saying this to let you know what Freedom Christian Fellowship is is the first thing that has to happen is somebody has to say, oh, I've, I've got some creative, creativity flowing through me. I need to release it for the glory of Jesus. But the second thing that has to happen is a yes. And there was a resounding yes here. And that's, I, listen, maybe, it's getting lost on me, I feel like this. <clears throat> that is exciting. That is exciting. I thank the Lord. And Monty didn't look at me and go, no, you cannot put sand in this sanctuary. Are you an idiot? He didn't do that. He said, no, is, is it going to be good? Is it going to be fun? Are you going to do it well? Yeah. And we put sand out here. And we saw kids come. We saw kids give their life to Jesus. All right. Let's keep going. All right. The second thing is this. That Paul says is that every part of the body must be honored equally. Every part of the body must be honored equally. So we have to understand this, that Paul makes a couple of statements here, and some of them are a little deeper than others, and he acknowledges, it seems like he acknowledges, if we look at it out of context, the, the role of the apostle and the prophet and those who work miracles and, and, and have gifts of healing and these things. But this is not what he's saying. And I'm going to show you this in just a second. And the important thing is this in the church is that when we acknowledge that everybody has been given a talent and a gift, then we also must honor each one of those things um, equally. 
We have to honor these things equally. There was something in the, in the early church that was written and circulated among the early church because here's what happens when we do not honor things properly or equally is that we'll begin to elevate the wrong things. Now I want to say something to you that anytime you've seen a move of God in the United States in recent years, a lot of times what you see happen is this, is that you'll see the person that is doing that eventually falls. And the criticism that's lobbed against that person is entirely unfair. And they go and say, oh, he's not really a man of God. He's not really a person of God. They weren't really doing the things that they said that they were doing. And the criticism is just heaped against them. But the reality is this, is that there are tens of thousands of people chasing somebody around the United States to hear them speak. Now, whether you choose to agree with me or not, I'm telling you what the Word of God says right here. And it deals with this issue, and it says this. When we do not honor equally, we get out of balance. When we don't honor the gifts equally... Because Paul wasn't saying here, give the apostle special credit, put him up on a pedestal. The prophet needs to have his own room and do this. As a matter of fact, this document that is historically proven that was passed around the early church called the Didache was stated and it was circulated as a guidebook to the early church. And it said this, If somebody comes in claiming to be an apostle, don't let him stay more than three days and don't take up an offering for him. God will supply. If somebody claims to be a prophet, don't let him stay more than three days. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think they would say that? Because here's what I believe, and again, I'm saying this with great grace. It's not to minimize the gift of the apostle or the prophet, but it's to say this, the tendency for us to get into a place where we overvalue the wrong things is too great. And when we overvalue the wrong things, we will undervalue the things we should be valuing. And this is what Paul's talking about. So how do we value properly? We value properly when we attach time to people. We attach attention to people. When we listen to them. When we value and we listen to the testimony of what God is doing. When we spend the time, when we give the attention, when we listen, but then finally, by not improperly honoring certain gifts too much. You know that the very end of 1 Corinthians 12 is this, and I love this, and I don't, I don't know why this is missed so often. Because Paul does th- something that throws us into this contention, if you would, because he says, now eagerly gr- desire the greater, the greater gifts. And I'm going to tell you what that word greater means in just a second. But the last scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 is this, but yet I show you a better way. You flip the page over, 1 Corinthians 13, love is. This is what Paul is saying is this. This is how the grace of the Holy Spirit moves within the individual gifts in the body. But if it is absent of love, it will fall apart. Because the better way is when we choose to love and honor the gifts equally. All right.
Third thing that we see here is that grace must abundantly flow through the body so the gifts can grow. Through the, so the gifts can grow. Our body, or I'm sorry, our job within the body is always to encourage gifts. This is how grace flows. Because gifts aren't given to exalt us. They're not given to exalt us. They're given to exalt Jesus. We taught, and Paul talks about this. I want to read this passage to you really quick. <clears throat> Paul talks about this. He, he hits this dynamic, this issue. We taught our kids this when they were young. Sharing is caring. Now, let me be honest with you. Can I be real honest with you? Barney taught them that. All right. Anybody remember Barney, the purple dinosaur? And, uh, you know, ooh, you know, and uh, sharing is caring, you know, sharing is caring. But here's the thing is this, is that when it comes to the way grace flows in the body, we don't own the gift. So if something happens, like let's take, let's, let me put it and personalize and put it in our church. And I, and I come to one of you and I say, hey, would you, would you take and, and lead this for me? Would you take and do this? I recognize this gift of God. And that particular ministry is not yours. It's not even mine. <laughs> All right, can I be honest with you? And here's a statement that I love, that I heard. And Paul actually says this. In 1 Corinthians. That we're not married to the ministry. We're not married to the gift. We're married to the vision. We're married to the vision. And that means this. We should both expect other people that carry the same gift that we possess to come up. And when we see them coming, our job is to encourage them and make room and say, hey, look, I'm going to feed off of you. I'm going to grow off of you. And if the day comes, I'm going to move out of the way so you can go. Oh, man. Whoo. Oh, I just, I love that. Oh, that's what freedom is. This, that is who we are as a church. The day may come where I say, hey, goodbye. Because God brings another person. Ooh. See, we're not married to the ministry. We're not married to the gift. This is what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, you've got to be attached into the vision of us coming into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our vision is to see the captives set free, to live in a place of freedom so that they can give a paramount joy and praise and ministry to Jesus Christ. And everything we do serves that. And everything we do here and every position we have serves that. And we should eagerly be looking for people who carry that same thing and say, come on, come on, come on. Let's do it better. Let's do it further. Let's do it greater. Let's go. This is what Paul says, okay? Stop. I'm going to stop raining and raving. I want you to hear what he says. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 11. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food. You weren't ready for it. Indeed, you were still not ready. 
you're still worldly, worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you're not, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and the other says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each of us his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants, the one who waters, the one waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, Paul addresses this issue, and he says, look, when we get married to the position, when we get married to the ministry, when we get locked in and we begin to own this, what happens is this, is that we create a culture and the people that God's called us to lead, and he's dealing with the church in Corinth because they started to have this conversation as a legitimate conversation in church. This is what they talked about in church. They would get back around the coffee bar and some of them would go, uh, no, I, I follow Apollo. And some would go, uh-uh, no, I follow Paul. I'm the Paul guy. You're the Apollo guy. I'm the Rocky guy. You're the Apollo Creed guy, you know? And they're like, who's going to win? You know, I'm Drago. And uh, the movie reference in there to wake you up. And so here, here's the thing. Paul goes, look, you guys are still operating in your flesh. You're not understanding the grace. And he begins to explain it by actually saying, this is what I want you to know about Apollo and I is this, is that we're really insignificant. We're just obedient in the same way you've been called to be obedient. And when you're obedient, what you see is this, is that you just get in line. And it's a joy to do what you've been called to do. Why? Because it's not you bringing the increase at all. It's, it's God. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. And when you just do what he's asked you to do, then God will give the increase and you'll grow. Don't you guys understand? This is Paul looking at the church in Corinth and telling him, don't you understand that you're not growing because of Apollo and you're not growing because of me. You're growing because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so he unravels and debunks this myth and he says, listen, if the body is going to function in the, in the grace that Jesus has put inside of it, then we have got to eagerly, eagerly expect others to come, encourage that gift, and if need be, move out of the way. Or ask God, what's next? I'm okay. I'm okay. If you're telling me to do something else. All right? Now let's just finish this up and go a little deeper. Justin, come on up. I'm going to cut some of this out. So I want to talk about this. So we looked, we looked at this a little bit uh, in the shallow section. I want to talk about the deep section for just a second. Because Paul makes mention here about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit within the, in the church. See, because the way that we grow in, within the gifts that are represented in the body and allow grace to flow within the body is by keeping an acute ear to the Holy Spirit inside of our church. This is very important. 
So we've got to continually seek to honor the Holy Spirit within our church service. And if I can for just a second, just, just break this down. Because here, here is what Paul is saying when he talks about the apostles and the, and the prophets and the teachers and the miracle workers and the gifts of healing and all this. And he says, eagerly desire the greatest gifts. This is what Paul is saying. He's not saying, he's not creating a pecking order with these gifts, but he's saying that at different times within the body, there are going to be different needs. There are going to be different things the Holy Spirit wants to do because there are different needs represented in the body. If I sprain my ankle, the doctor does not put me on an antibiotic. She puts me in a sling, right? She puts my, wraps my, my foot in something. If I have an ear infection, she does not wrap a bandage around my head. She gives me an antibiotic. In the same way, the Holy Spirit knows the need that is within His body, and He ministers accordingly. He ministers accordingly. And so there will be times that different things flow and different things happen in a church service and it's in line with what God wants to do. And so we have to pay attention to that and we have to say, Holy Spirit, move as you want to. Because if there is a need for prophetic ministry, then prophetic ministry needs to flow. If there is a need for healing, then healing needs to flow. If there is a need for repentance, then repentance needs to flow. If there is a need for grace, then grace needs to flow. And it may not flow where people come up to the front. It may flow in our times of worship. I don't know if you noticed today, but Justin started to sing in essence what was a new song or a prophetic song. And the Holy Spirit began to move. That was the greatest need. And when we pay attention to that, we listen to that. But we don't come as spectators, but instead we come ready and and filled up and, and, and ready to do what God asks us to do in that. Then what we will experience is this in our corporate times of worship is that we will experience ministry that happens at at different points in different times. But it will be exactly what we need to happen. And this is what Paul is saying here. This is what he's saying. And so we have to pay attention to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Let me just close here by saying, what do we do from here? The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to take your place at the table. Take your place at the table. You have a seat at the table. When you come into this place, engage in worship. Engage your gift to serve. Engage in giving of your resource and growing this place. Engage in this. Engage in it. Acknowledge the gift that God has given you. Seek to grow that gift. Some of us, honestly, this is one of the things I feel like the Lord took me to in areas of my life. I used, to, I used to so struggle. I was my biggest critic when it came to doing what God had called me to do. 
And there would be times people come up to me and go, oh, you're doing so good. We're so proud of you. These, these statements, and I, I didn't know what to do with them. And I'd go, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I really, it, it's a hard thing. It, it's, it's crazy. And so I, I, I struggled with this. And, and the, the Lord brought me to a place and said, Andy, why, why are you denying the gift that I put in you? uncomfortable when people come up to me and do that. And he goes, wait a second, Andy, are you doing it? I said, oh, checkmate. <laughs> you got me. Gotcha. And I said, no, you're, you're doing that, Father. He goes, that's right. And so some of the issue that we have with not finding the gift of God in us is that people are telling us all the time, and we go, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. Because somehow you think that you created that, you did that, and you're holding that up, but you're not. It's the grace of Jesus on your life. And so what you need to do is you need to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because by me not acknowledging this gift and stepping into it and saying, God, how do you want to unfold this in a greater way? I'm actually, I'm not serving the body you called me to serve and growing the people around me you've called me to grow. So God, help me. I'm, I'm not... I'm not sorry that you gave this to me. Help me to grow this gift. We need to invite, 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 invite the Holy Spirit to move. I want to encourage you in two areas that we have going on in the church, that there's two prayer points within the church. On, on, on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, we pray. We pray up here. We intercede and pray for about 45 minutes, and it's, it's wonderful. And then before service, there's a group of folks who pray. They pray around the building. They pray up at the front. You probably don't even notice them, but they're praying. And what they're doing is saying, just come, Holy Spirit, come and move, come and move, come and move. They're creating an atmosphere. And so, listen, I want to, some of you, if, if that is a gift that God's putting you or something you want to grow into, then you need to be a part of that. But also, in our lives, in our personal lives, we, our prayer has to be, come, Holy Spirit, move, Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to do this also to give grace and let grace be the language and the action of our congregation, especially toward the weakness that is in our body. The weak areas that we see in our body, if you see somebody who is struggling, then it is your job. It is your job to go and to give grace, especially if they come to your attention. It is your job to go put your arms around them, to make the phone call, to encourage them, to love them, to allow grace to flow out of you. We need to be a people that absolutely hate, 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 hate any kind of divisive speech coming out of our mouths. Let me tell you something. Listen, you don't need to speak ill about anybody in your family. You don't need to speak any ill of anybody in your church. You do not need to speak ill of any other church in this community. Do you hear me? Amen. No. Do not gossip. Do not slander. Do not cover it up with bless their heart. <laughs> I don't mean to be talking about them, but you are. Don't go home and have roast whoever after church, right? <laughs> now, can I stretch you somewhere else in this just really, really quickly? Please, just listen to my heart here because I know this is, 
Refrain from speaking ill of things in the world. Just, I, I hope I don't offend anybody here. But if you post anything online, and it comes with more of, a, of an objective statement and is absent of solution, you're, you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to say it any clearer or any softer than that. It's almost like Paul says, listen, I would just rather you stay off of it if you can't handle it. Don't do it. You know how many comments I've read on my wife's, uh, not from her, but conversations she'll show me on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. Or am I? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I I want to make y'all smile a little bit because I know what I'm saying is a little heavy. But I hear these statements that people are arguing over and then somebody goes, Oh, is this how Christians should act? And I've broken so many of her phones because I throw them across the room. (laughs) But I go, why are we even there? And then inevitably somebody will try to defend that statement. And nobody here, it's it's nobody here. I swear to you, it's none of you here. Because I would tell you. I would. And I just go, why? Why? What is it solving? What is it doing? What are we protecting? Psalm 2 says this. I love this psalm. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He scoffs at the stuff that's happening on earth where nations rage and kings conspire. He laughs. Why? Because God is absolutely not out of control. He's not worried about it. It's not changing the final outcome. It's not changing the Holy Spirit moving on the earth. It is not changing anything. But we have to guard ourselves, okay? We need to be that people who display. And we need to be radical encouragers. Radical encouragers. People who listen and honor and acknowledge. Amen. All right. All right. Okay. Part of, uh, I'm going to have the ushers come up. So what we're doing here, I'm going to pray in just a second. Is that what we're doing is, uh, what I've been talking about, something that God is called us to is to continue to grow the church in every area. There's so many exciting things that God is doing. And so I want to encourage you. In the next few weeks, we are going to be unfolding more and more of a plan with what God is speaking to us. And we title this all in. And this this picture is this, is that we want to, first, we want to create Enough of a covering in this church to sustain us so that we don't ever fall into a weak place. And the second thing that we want to do is that we want to enhance the the beauty of what's going on outside in our building and outside of our building by doing some repairs and doing some upgrades and some wonderful things. Why? Because that is something that displays the amazing vision that God has called our church to. And so in the next few weeks, actually... We're going to be talking about that in in greater and greater depth. 
And what that means is this. For some of you, you go, look, I haven't trusted the Lord in the tithe. And we want to come to you, not in, not in any kind of condemnation, but in great grace and say, look, we want to trust you with that. And some of you go, look, say, I, I, haven't, I haven't ever asked the Lord about giving an offering. Your tithe is the first 10%. Listen, it's the first. Scripturally, it's the best. It's the best 10% of your intake. What God has blessed you with. But an offering is on top of that. And some of you, listen, you say, God, I want to trust the Lord to do that. And we want to come into agreement with you to do that. And some of you say, look, I want to be able to be somebody who gives extravagantly. I've had people that have come to me and say, I know what, there are people in this church who have come to me and said, God, the gift that God has given me is to be a giver. God has blessed me. I know it's his hand upon me. It's not what I'm doing. It's his grace. And I want to be able to give. I want to be able to just abundantly give. And some of you feel that in your heart, and that's important. If you don't believe me, read the book of Acts. Go and look at the book of Acts. Where God moved as the Holy Spirit is moving radically upon the church and multiplying the church. That there were people who came up and they just said, look, I'm going to give. I'm going to give of what I have to make this thing go and grow. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about that and the importance of that. And how that applies to our church. That's not the only place we're stopping. It's not about money. Because what makes this church grow is not just the finances, but it's also the gifts that are represented in you. And it's time. It's time that we begin to use those gifts and let those gifts loose in a very powerful way. And it's the flow of the Holy Spirit moving on in and through our church. There's an expression of what the Holy Spirit desires to do that is amazing. I believe this with all my heart, if I can make this bold statement, that I think the day is coming where we move out of our chairs. That there's an expression in worship where we're maybe up front or we're rejoicing or we're praying for one another. Why? Because that is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It takes all of these things. Amen? Amen. Okay, all right, let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord. For your gift, Lord, the gift that you've given each one of us, God, the gift of your grace, the gift that you have, Lord, put in our lives, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that that would just begin to flow, 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 flow out more, more, more. Lord, I thank you. I love you. Lord, I declare your grace upon every person here, Lord. Lord, let your grace flow. Lord, let the importance of what you have deposited, Holy Spirit, in each one of us just begin to, to show up in a greater way. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hmm. All right. Just a couple of quick announcements. Um, First thing is this, if you are part of the second Saturday planning meeting, uh, vision meeting, don't forget that's tonight at 6 o'clock, right? Say 6, is that right? 6, are you holding up 7 fingers, bud? Uh, 6. And then also, this Wednesday is July 4th, okay? So we're going to have an all-day prayer meeting. Y'all come on out and uh, 
fasting and praying. I'm just kidding. We don't have any church on, on July 4th. So enjoy, enjoy your, um, your July 4th, okay? So no service this, this upcoming Wednesday, okay? Um, it's going to be a great, great day. And then don't forget, kids, um, if you've got kids going to kids camp or to youth camp that they're leaving this weekend in church, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to uh, just keep them locked in prayer. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. <laughs> oh, God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch you here just a little bit. You don't have to do this if you're not comfortable, okay? And if you do this and the person next to you is uncomfortable, just stop immediately, all right? But just put your hand, uh, grab, either grab the hand of the person next to you if you can, or put your hand on their shoulder. If they don't hold out their hand to you, assume that they're not comfortable, okay? And don't, don't force it. <laughs> All right, (laughs) let's just do this. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given the body. I thank you for the importance of them, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have called, Lord, each one of us, Father, to do wonderful, great things. And so, Father, to the person to the right and to the left of us, Lord, we just ask and we just ask you to just pour out your grace in a greater way, in a greater way, in a greater way, to overflowing, to overflowing, just in a greater way. In a greater way, in a greater way, in a greater way, in a greater way. Holy Spirit, in a greater way, let your grace flow. Let your love flow, let the importance, Lord God, I thank you, Lord. I make this statement, Lord God, and I know, Father, that you multiply this. So let this just abound in people's hearts, Lord. I thank you for every person here. I thank you that they are important. They are important. They are important. They're not here by accident, that they carry the grace and the gift of God in their life, and it's needful and it's necessary, Lord. Thank you for who they are, Lord. Give honor and give value to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, y'all have a great week. Love on somebody, and we'll see you guys next Sunday. 